Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Big thanks. Go out to Ace Andrews. He'll be engineering the show today and taking your calls a little later on. Just before we get to our guest, just a couple of reminders. Please go out to iWorkForHim.com. Not because I love seeing that you get out there and get to the website and, and people say, hey, now I'm trafficking on your website. No, I want you to go out to iWorkForHim because I want you to see the little pop-up that says, join the iWorkForHim nation. We're looking for Christ followers around the country and across the globe to make the commitment to impact their workplace. Number one, by starting to pray for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. And why do you do this? Because it will transform your heart towards your coworkers and employees, and you will see opportunities open up wide as you take to step number two. Look for ways to serve them. Look for ways to befriend them. Look for ways to pray with people. When you notice they're just having a rough day, you can ask them, hey, what's going on? You don't seem yourself today. And after they share with you, say, hey, can I pray with you about that? I've never had anybody say no. But all along, members of the I Work For Him Nation are people of excellence, people that when no matter what they do, it doesn't matter what you do, you do it with excellence, knowing that you're really working for the Lord each and every day. But it does take a paradigm shift in our minds as we tackle understanding what it means to follow Jesus in all of our lives. Romans 12, 2, I love the way it summarizes it. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. Many years I have known of our guest, and it's such a privilege for me. We've got Dr. Tom Nelson on the show today. He's the pastor of Christ Community Church in Leewood, Kansas. He's also one of the leaders of, I believe, the top leader in the Made to Flourish movement. He's involved in Love 2020, which we heard about yesterday on the air. And he's just come out. He's got a great book out there about workplace ministry called Work Matters. And he just finished some curriculum for your church called Gospel Shaped Work. Dr. Tom Nelson, welcome to I Work For Him. Yeah, Jim, it's great to be with you. Talk to me. You know, you're a pastor. Everybody just thinks pastors are perfect, and they don't ever have any problems. And, 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 and they, you know, people just have unrealistic, they have no idea how difficult it is to be a pastor because you're always in this glass bubble all the, all the time. How have you noticed the Lord working in your life in those intimate details? How have you noticed him working in those intimate details recently? Yeah, I would say one of the things that I'm trying to understand more is just the importance of being attentive to others and to what God is doing in the world, and uh, I get busy like all of us, and uh, I get distracted and tired, so I think it's more like the Lord's 
personally teaching me right now the importance of being attentive to the moment, attentive to the people I'm with, trying to be attentive to his voice, and I think attentiveness. I think I'm often distracted and self-absorbed, and I'm trying to be more attentive. Does that make sense? It makes sense, and I'm sure your wife appreciates that because as a, pa- <laughs> as a pastor, you're always being drugged by all different kinds of directions by the people in your church, and your wife's like, oh, we're going to work on attentiveness now? I like that. That's good. Yeah, she'd appreciate that in my marriage, I'm sure, too. Yep. Yeah, so make sure you tell your wife that the Lord's working on attentiveness so that she can hold you accountable. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, Tom, I have noticed that in the country there seems to be a movement. There seems like there's something really special happening mm-hmm. amongst, you yeah. know, just a show like uh, I work for him. I don't know if it ever would have existed 20 years ago. Of course, I didn't even understand workplace ministry even 10 years ago. How, wh- what do you see happening? What do you wh- talk about this amazing movement of God that's going on? Yeah, Jim, I'm really encouraged. You know, sometimes as uh, followers of Jesus or people who are interested in Christian faith, we look at the world around us and it is a mess. I mean, we're broken and the world is broken. And so there's a lot of hopelessness out there and discouragement. But against that backdrop, there's a breeze blowing of hope, and it's uh, blowing across our country in many ways, uh, particularly around this area of the intersection of faith and work, across uh, faith tribes. So when I travel and interact with people, I hear this excitement in local churches and seminaries and different parachurch organizations like, hey, God's up to something, and people are really seeing how discipleship really affects their work life. And that's pretty exciting if God is at work in bringing renewal. Uh, through our work. So, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you this question. We'll never get all the answer all the way done before we break. But, you know, there are very few churches in the United States of America that stand out specifically for equipping marketplace ministers. Your church in Kansas, Tim Keller's church, Keller's church in, in New York, mm-hmm. there's a small church called Next Level Church down in Fort Myers, a guy named Matt Keller. Uh, and, and I know there's others out there, but you, you and Tim Keller have kind of launch this and are known yeah. for going, hey, wait a minute, we're, this, is, this is where this is really going. How did the Lord reveal this to you? Yeah, Jim, I mean, I, I tell people when I speak that I had to come to the place where I realized I was committing pastoral malpractice, and I, and I think that's really an honest thing. It wasn't intentional. I was very committed to be faithful and teach God's Word. I'd been a pastor for about 10 years. But I began to realize from Scripture study, studying the Reformers, the pastors, through the, hey, wow, I was missing something really important. In other words, if we have an impoverished theology of the Bible, it, it impoverishes pastoral sort of paradigms of how we see our work and our praxis. So I had to come to the place of just literally confessing to my congregation that I'd been committing malpractice. And here, here's the big deal for me and for a lot of pastors, and there's a growing movement of this, is that I was really equipping the congregation for the minority of their life, not the majority of their life. I call it the minority-majority disparity. And I was deeply committed to disciple the congregation. I just was discipling for them for a small sliver of life. All right, so you were saying things right before the break, talking about pastoral yeah. malpractice, and that you were teaching about, you were teaching your the people in your congregation uh, about the, something that would impact the minority of their life instead of the majority of their life. Kind of explain that. Yeah, I mean, I think here's the, the challenge, at least for me, and I, I'm not alone in this, and many pastors and many congregations are suffering because of it, is that I primarily focused on the number of people who were there on Sunday and trying to teach a good message and have the good church programs, and these are important, but I wasn't thinking about equipping the saints in terms of what they were called to do Monday. So that that's where I'm saying the vast majority of us spend a large amount of time in our work, whether we're paid or not, in our callings every day, and I wasn't 
leading the church, focusing on equipping them for, to be God's apprentices, and is their, you know, the ambassadors of Jesus in the workplace. So that's why I had to shift, because I wasn't focusing on Monday. I was focused mainly on Sunday or Wednesday or a few spiritual activities, and sometimes about family and marriage, which was important, but I missed a whole huge segment of my equipping focus on people's work. So this is a great time for us to talk about the Made to Flourish movement because this is something yeah. really significant. And I've had one, I've had a couple of guests on. I had Catherine Leary Alsdorf on once, and yeah. she kind of talked a little bit about it. I've had Case Thorpe on, and we've talked a little bit about it. Why don't you talk about the Made to Flourish movement because they've made you the president, which that just means you got more responsibility, which is awesome. <laughs> but what it did more you, work for me to do? That's right. Yeah. But as a pastor, helping pastors understand this because honestly, sometimes we have conversations we as business people have conversations with our pastors and they just don't understand what we're trying to say on what our needs are and but they because you've been to seminary because you are a pastor you might be able to communicate to them in a different way talk about this made to flourish movement what is it all about yeah it's really you're right on it's it's really there's a lot of frustration among many parishioners and congregational members who realize that the pastor means well but they often don't speak relevantly to their everyday life. So Made to Flourish is designed to be a new national, uh, primarily pastor's network or Christian leader's network, helping them be more uh, spiritually whole and more pastorally effective. So we've just launched this uh, work a year ago, and uh, we're hopeful that it's going to touch many, many pastors around the country to be an encouraging resource to help them be more like Jesus, more spiritually whole, and more effective in their praxis, and particularly in helping people uh, pastors connect Sunday to Monday. Really, it is nothing new. It's just whole life discipleship to make sure our discipleship focuses on Monday and not just Sunday. So it is very exciting. We've had a wonderful early response. We have a fantastic website. That's a great place to start, madetoflourish.org. And it's a place you can also join in and be a part of the network. It doesn't cost anything, but we're here to help serve. All right, so madetoflourish.org, madetoflourish.org is where the people listening can get their can tell yeah. their pastors about it and encourage them to go out and check yeah. check it out. This is something that's a paradigm shift, and and it you know you just mentioned two things. Okay, so really it's discipleship for pastors, and a lot of pastors are so busy feeding other people they never take time to actually get fed uh, because they're so yeah. busy. This is a place where they can actually get fed and encouraged as well. You're talking about. Yeah, that's really, really important because we lead an, you know, lead out of the overflow of our own souls. And one of the most important needs for clergy is to be growing in Christ-likeness themselves. So the danger is if we help clergy just connect Sunday to Monday and learn how to disciple others, and they're not growing in Christ, then they're not going to be effective leaders. So we want to do both. We want to help pastors grow in Christ-likeness, be whole, but then also be effective in their leadership. So we have a twofold objective, and they both are very important. If their pastors aren't whole, then their effectiveness is going to be hindered long term. MadeToFlourish.org, yep. MadeToFlourish.org. And we'll bring that up after the bottom of the half hour for those people that sign on then. But I really wanted you to put a plug out there. Listeners, if you've got a pastor that would, yeah. you're, you're, you're like, hey, I'm not sure he really understands my passion to understand my what how to connect Sunday to Monday. This is a place to get him started and get him connected and encouraged by other pastors, madetoflourish.org. Now, Tom, I don't know how many books you've written in the past, but I've read, I recently read Work Matters that you wrote a few years ago, and I right. just finished reviewing your brand new curriculum that, you, that you've come out with called Gospel-Shaped Work, which is really the handbook for a pastor introducing this idea of our workplaces, our mission field to the entire congregation. How, 
you know, what, what is your point with, with putting out gospel-shaped work, this curriculum kit? What, what are you hoping to see? Yes, what we're hoping to see uh, is really faith and work integration throughout the whole life of the local church. So this is a really wonderful tool for pastors and Christian leaders in a very interactive way with video and different ways to help think through how do you bring faith and work uh, at the heart of your uh, local church culture? In other words, how does that affect your Sunday liturgy? How does it affect your preaching, your small groups? So the idea, again, is not just to give a sermon on faith and work, but to think through all aspects of how faith and work discipleship should be a part of your congregation. So it has, it has a wonderful feature, different testimonies. It's very interactive. It's very creative. And it's really designed to uh, have a wonderful tool for local church pastors and leaders to bring this into their congregation. Uh, so that's our hope, that it would really be, you know, take it to the next level of how do you practice this? So how is it designed? I, I've gone through it, I've seen it, but and it seems like yeah. it's just, it, it's, I'd like for you to describe how it's designed to be used within a local church. Well, here's how it's designed. I mean, the Good Book Company out of England uh, did this, and we shot the, the video in a little uh, bed and breakfast in Virginia uh, a year or so ago. But it's designed for a small group, like if there are a group of elders or bishops or staff or a small group of leaders or in a small group context, a Sunday school class, so there's a certain uh, intellectual structure, there's a teaching structure, and you can get a little bit of a primer, like a 10-minute video, and then have interaction, there's application. So it's really interactive, and it's designed for a small group, whether it's eight or six, or a Sunday school class that's larger. But there's also a lot of other stuff in there. You've got sermon yes. suggestions, you've got yep. downloads, there's all different kinds of downloads. Talk about that stuff as well. Yeah, well, it's designed to be this resource engine to help people go as far as they want to go in terms of how to wholly disciple their people. Um, so, yes, there's all kinds of resources, links, opportunities to think more fully. You know, we, we are all sharpened by others, and sometimes when you hear what somebody else is doing in a local church context, that sparks, right? sparks your imagination, and you apply it to your own context. So not only are the resources there to show you how other people are doing this around the country, but it sparks your imagination how you can do it in your own context. And what what I liked in the intro in the Leader's Kit, in the Leader's Guide, it says, listen, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff in here. You can use this to kind of break into your congregation over the next three or four years. It's not like, get this out. It's not a one-and-done deal. This is a learn how to Correct. integrate this over a period of time. Yes, that's the idea. Absolutely, yep. So how are you using this at your church, or is it not necessary to use it at your church? Well, I wouldn't say it's not necessary. I think uh, we will use it now that it's available in different places. But we've already been doing this in many ways. We just didn't have the level of sophistication and the high-level resources that are available in this, in this new work. But yeah, in one sense, our culture is this. We've been working on this for tw- almost 20 years. Uh, weaving this into every aspect of children's ministry, adult ministry, so uh, preaching, teaching, uh, songs, music. So, yeah, we're we're still very much working it through. But, yes, we will use it in different ways now that we have it. But we have been doing things like this for several years. The The kit seems so full, and we've got one copy to give away today. We've got a copy of the kit Great. to give away today, and we're going to do that right after this next break. But and I'm excited. I want to get into the hands of a pastor that really wants to put this into action. Do you guys ever let people come and do tours and spend a week at your church and follow you around to figure out how you guys have integrated this into every aspect of your of your congregation? 
Yes, we do, uh, Jim. We do that. Uh, we're a little bit more, we just have to be a little more selective um, when people come in, how often you know people come in. But sure, we love sharing with that. And that's part of what Made to Flourish is designed to do is to take some of these lessons we've learned here in other churches and create learning communities. So there are opportunities increasingly in different cities. Right now, we, we're Made to Flourish is in 11 cities. So yes, Christ Community can be accessed, the church I serve. It's a multi-site, bi-campus church in Kansas City. But there's also increasingly networks that are being built out around the country um, with Made to Flourish representatives, pastors are, that you could visit with and be a part of a learning community and learn how this is done as well. That's our goal. We'd love to go to 50 cities in the next few years. That's awesome. Because, again, you're creating yep. the discipleship feature. You're creating the encouragement feature. You're, you're creating the accountability feature. Right. And, and you're giving pastors things that— for years, so many pastors have acted like have acted in silos, that where they thought they just had to figure it out on their own, and they tried. Everybody tried to reproduce the wheel in their own congregation, and and really, what you're saying is that hey, in these groups, these made to flourish groups, they can come together, and learn from each other, share with each other, and really to expand the kingdom should be exponentially bringing the gospel because they're so much more effective. That that sounds so exciting. Yeah, that's what we hope. And the Made to Flourish, you know, again, is only a year old, but we are on a quick expansion. But there are networks. You can go to the website in cities where they're already established. So it's a great place to share ideas and relationships and best practices. It's fantastic. All right, so we're talking today with Tom Nelson. He's a pastor. He's an author. He's also the president of the Made to Flourish movement, which we'll talk again about after the bottom of the half hour. Tom, let's just talk. I want to just take a segue and go over to your book that you wrote, Work Matters, because you really... You mm-hmm. lay it out. I mean, I went through that book, and, and it's and it's not dog-eared as much as my Bible, but it's amazing. It was amazing to me just to read it from the heart of a pastor because I have I have gotten frustrated at times in working with pastors yeah. and having them look at me like, Jim, I don't know what you're talking about. I think we're doing a pretty good job. And, and I'm like, but wait a minute, I'm a business guy, and I and I've, <laughs> I I lived I lived in my faith for 27 years before somebody's connected Sunday to Monday. And and, I saw, and all I look back on, like, I know, Lord, those years weren't all wasted, but oh, a lot of them were wasted because I, I missed a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was your whole idea behind your, your writing the book, Work Matters? Well, yeah, I think that's a common experience. I, I have lots of people come to me and say, you know, I felt like a second-class citizen in my church because I wasn't a pastor or missionary, and we're not in any way minimizing those important callings. We just have a tremendous need to you know, raise the level of everyone's calling before God and everyone's work. And so, you know, Work Matters came out of a message series I did in my local church, um, and it was it was such great response. And people would tell me, you know, I've been in church 30 years or 20 years, and I've never heard a message on work, never heard a person pray for my work. I've never had anyone visit, no pastor ever visit my work. So I began to realize that there was a real gap. And then when people, I interacted with other pastors and other churches, I heard the same thing. So Work Matters... Uh, was written to be accessible but theologically rich. So we framed Work Matters in the framing of creation, fall, redemption, uh, new creation, in other words, the overall narrative of the Bible, uh, in creation, the corruption of creation, the redemption, and then the final uh, picture of new creation. So we just wove, I just wove the thread of work through the Bible, and you see how prominent it is in terms of we were created to work, that work has been corrupted, the gospel redeems our work, and that one day we will work in the new heavens and new earth. So it gave that broader narrative that I think has been really helpful, and then we centered it in Jesus, the carpenter, and the importance of those hidden years of Jesus being the carpenter. So I think the framing of it had a rich theology, a rich theological framework. 
How many years ago in your church, and you said you have five different locations for... Yeah, we have your, five campuses, yeah. Like five campuses. How many years ago did you did this paradigm shift happen in your mind? Uh, about 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, about 20 years ago. We've been trying to press more into it, but I realized I was committing pastoral malpractice and that I wasn't seeing what the Scripture taught well. So, yeah, 20 years. So in that 20 years, and, and how many years were you a pastor before 20 years ago? Eight years. Eight okay, years. so uh, when, yeah. when you compare the eight years to the 20 years after, how have you noticed the impact on the lives of your—and we'll just call them parishioners, people oh. that your, your congregants, whatever you want, people that are going to your church, members of your church—how have you noticed a difference in how they grasp the gospel and how they grasp it and how it applies to what they do every day? What, what, what have you seen? Oh, Jim, this is such a really good question. And just to your listeners, you know, we tend to think pastors kind of love hyperbole and, and overstate things, but I can't tell you the contrast. I mean, I can't describe. Let me just really quickly, five things. One, people see that the worship of God is not just on Sunday, it's what they do on Monday. So they worship God in a more dynamic way on Monday. And I think that that's one of the big transitions that people not only see worship on Sunday, they see what they do as worship on Monday. We don't worship our work, but our worship is a vital part of worship. And then I would say also that they see their work as spiritually forming them. I never imagined how our work forms us in Christ-likeness. They also see their workplace as a place, what I call gospel plausibility. In other words, many times the gospel must be seen before it's heard, right? And and for many people around us. But it's also a place of gospel proclamation. So the worship of God, the formation of God's people has changed. Uh, The proclamation of the gospel has had more power. And, and, and living it out, the plausibility of the gospel. And then lastly, the common good is served, because people love their neighbor in and through their work, and they believe that the common good matters. So I'm saying there's so many different ways that it has profoundly transformed our congregation that I could go on and on and on. But the, the before and after picture is uh, like night and day. How did it transform? I mean, now, you know, I don't know how many other pastors you hang out with. I know you don't have a lot of extra time because you've got a big church, and, and you're also a writer, and people pulling in lots of different directions. But how have you been able to encourage other pastors to see, to, to understand the same thing locally? I mean, just what's the impact, Ben? How close are you to Kansas City? You're like a suburb well, of Kansas City, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in Kansas City. We, I mean, yes. Uh, the original campus is in a suburb, but we have two campuses in more of the urban area and then three in the suburbs. So we're really a mess in Kansas City. Okay. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing has been just opening the scriptures with pastors. I mean, pastors, you know, we're, we're faulty and, and uh, frail, and sometimes we are prideful. We think we know what the Bible says. Now, we should know quite a bit about it. That's our calling, right? But there's a danger, and this is a Rabbi Abraham Keschel said this, there's a danger for all of us, and that is the tendency is that we see what we know rather than know what we see. In other words, we need to have a greater curiosity when we open the Bible and be more teachable to the Spirit. So when I open the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and begin to just unpack the central thread of work, I find pastors going who are teachable and humble like, wow, that's a really main thread, (laughs) right? And so I think theologically, if there's a strong sense around the Bible that this is what the Bible teaches, then pastors go, oh, what are the implications? And they're profound. Mm-hmm. 
They're life-shattering, life-changing. It's yeah. it's, un, it's unbelievable. All right, when we come back, I want to I want to dig a couple of pieces out of, out of the book and talk again about the Gospel Shape Work curriculum. We're talking Great. today with Tom Nelson. He's a pastor, he's an author, and he's also the president of the Made to Flourish movement. And I'd like to encourage you to go out there and you check out the Made to Flourish website, madetoflourish.org, so then you can tell your pastor about it. This is a place yeah. for them to go get encouraged, and this is a place for them to go get equipped on understanding how to connect for you Sunday to Monday. This new curriculum is gospel-shaped work, and it's designed to help your pastor understand gospel-shaped work and understand how to introduce it into your congregation. You can find out more about it online at Amazon.com. The Good Book Company's got a little write-up on it. The Gospel Coalition's got some written up about it, but Gospel-Shaped Work by Tom Nelson. Tom, uh, the question for you is you've got this amazing movement that you're part of called Made to Flourish. And as a pastor, it's got to be encouraging to you to see that other pastors are joining with other pastors in a unifying movement, which is a true sign of the movement of the Holy Spirit, to, to come together and encourage each other and to help understand how to equip their congregations to connect Sunday to Monday. Talk to us about Made to Flourish. Yeah, I would just say it's so encouraging, Jim. We have so far to go, but there's such an organic spirit and such a joyful spirit as people come together uh, and to be more effective and more fruitful. I mean, I think that pastors long to be whole as Christians. I trust that they're called by God. They want to be like Jesus. They need others to help them become more like Christ, and they want to be effective in their vocation, just like everybody else in their work. We want to be effective, don't we? We want to be fruitful. There's a sense of affirmation and encouragement, and pastors want to be effective in their vocation. And the question is, how can we help them be more effective? Uh, and, and so that's what Made to Flourish is all about, and it's truly thrilling to see, only a year old, the kind of response. We already have 1,300 pastors have joined our network. There's no cost to join it. You go to the website, you sign up, you get some resources. Uh, so it is really an opportunity, we hope, that pastors across the country, across broader faith traditions will jump on board and be encouraged uh, and find a place of uh, encouragement and, and spiritual growth. And their congregations will flourish, too. It's, the more we follow God's design, the more we capture the Spirit of God, what He's doing in our congregations, the more we equip people for everyday life, the more effective and fruitful and beautiful our congregations are going to be and our culture is going to be influenced. Well, so it's a very exciting thing. Let's talk about that influence. I apologize for interrupting. Let's talk about that influence. So 20 years ago, as the Lord revealed this to you and said, okay, Tom, things got to change. He he starts opening up your mind going to something that literally Martin Luther was familiar with 500 plus years ago, but somehow we lost our way along the 500 years. But as your congregation started to understand the connection between Sunday and Monday, how did it start impacting your community? Yeah, I mean, prof- profoundly so, because people would come, uh, our congregational members would talk about it, whether it's the work series, or they would talk about how their faith was helping them in their business culture and how they treated employees. It really began to, you know, we did conferences and things like that. People would come and just to be equipped in how to be a Christian in the workplace. And again, that spills over uh, into other churches, other organizations. I would say, lastly, we're very involved with community development, poverty alleviation, working with the common good, and so it gave us opportunities with the educational systems, the corporate world, entrepreneurship. It opened doors for us to seek the common good and allow the Church to really be salt and light in our city in, in, in wonderful ways. 
Well, and that's got to be the really exciting part is when everybody sitting in the pews all of a sudden sees a purpose in what they do and sees that they can actually make a difference. That it's not just up to the pastor to lead people to Jesus, that yeah. each one of us sitting in those pews or chairs, whatever you may have, that we all can be equipped with presenting the gospel in what we do each and every day. I mean, that, that's got to be revolutionizing. I, I got to imagine that it's got to, it must have impacted the houses in the neighborhoods surrounding your churches as your people went out. Yeah, I think so, Jim. And one of the big surprises for me, you know, I'm often surprised in life. I'm pretty slow. But the number of stay-at-home spouses with children that wrote to me after work matters or I would speak and they said, when I read the definition that work is contribution, not just compensation, I begin to see how important my work was, whether I got a paycheck or not. So I think that's another aspect of retirees uh, or stay-at-home spouses that are profoundly shaped when they see how God designed them to work all their life, whether they get a paycheck or not, to contribute. So that, I think that's been a really big thing as well. Yeah, I've thought about starting another uh, division of the show called I Retire for Him, because in this country, yeah. we talk so much about retiring. Yeah. I actually bought the website already. But we, we we spend so much time talking about retiring, and yet that is not what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to just stop working and go play golf for the next 20 years, that it is truly God's design. Yes, maybe there's a second half we're going to do something different, right. but how do we get we get the privilege of even being even more intentional in retirement years because we're not dependent on making a paycheck that's a whole other story. We, we know we're not really dependent because the Lord provides for us. But, but, but to be able to tell that people in your congregation, say, listen, you retirees, you can make a big impact. Here's how to be intentional with your faith in everything that you're doing. Yeah, for retirees that are listening or people that know retirees or pastors, I want to say this is really huge because many retirees feel inadequate, feel a loss of meaning. You know, Victor Frankl said in the Search for Meaning that a brilliant a writer in the 20th century, a Swiss uh, psychologist or psychiatrist who went through the Holocaust, he said, we find meaning in the relationships we have and the work we do. So when that work is pulled out from underneath them, when it's a paycheck, there's a deep loss of meaning. And it's a time when greater meaning should take place. It's just refocusing. It's not about a paycheck. So there's so many people that need to refocus and refine meaning and add the wisdom to a younger generation they have. So this is something that really needs attention, and it's one of the tragedies of the American church. So well, many how, older people are missing it. Yes. How have you done that in your church, in getting the, the older people connected with the younger people? Because what I have seen, the millennials are desperately wanting mentors. And because they're not getting it at home because of so many broken families, they're not, not all of them, obviously there's some still getting it at home, but right. they don't have a deep connection to grandma and grandpa anymore. They don't necessarily have a deep connection to mom and dad anymore. And so you've got these people in the congregation that are absolutely people of, of aged wisdom. How are you guys at Christ Community Church connecting your older generations with the younger generations to create that discipleship mentoring model? Yeah, first of all, we have a culture here where there's cradle to grave of connecting Sunday to Monday and defining work. I mean, we, are been, we have been continually weaving in a rich theology of work and vocation. So whether you're a teenager or you're an adult, you're going to hear it in messages and worship liturgy. But specifically for those who are retired, we have specific programs where we help them think through their life. So I mean, we, we target people who are older and we help them give a, a, get a vision for life. We might deal with end-of-life issues, financial issues, but we specifically help equip them for that stage of their life and help them to be generative. I'd say that's the key word, versus self-indulgent. God's called them to be generative. Uh, and, and so, yes, we do specific programming for those who are in that season of life, but the culture of our church, whether you're young or old, 
sees the seamlessness of this and how the gospel speaks into all of it. I'm not sure everybody's going to know what the word generative means. So if you want to just pan that out for us a little bit. Yeah, well, it simply is the idea that we were created to, to produce fruit and the sense of fruit not only in productivity but procreativity. So the, the sense is that being generative is a part of maturity, that you're giving your life away for others. It's like spiritual multiplication. But you're, you're, it's not about you as much as reproducing your life, your wisdom uh, in other people's lives. So being generative means that you're giving life, nurturing others to greater life and flourishing. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. I just I, I wanted you to kind of kind of yeah. build it out a little bit for people. Yeah. All right. So here's a question: A lot of churches, uh, when they when they send out people who are newly ordained as 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 full time uh, workers in the church, uh, or they're full time going out on the mission field, whether a foreign mission field or a, or a local mission field, they have services and they send people out. What do you guys do at Christ Community Church in sending people out into the workplace? Because they're all workplace ministers. I mean, they're all missionaries to their specific field. Do you guys do something? special to recognize that calling on their lives? Yeah, one of the things that changes when you have a rich uh, faith and work theology that permeates your church is that Sunday changes, or when you worship, the liturgy of Sunday changes. The songs you sing, how you preach, how you pray as pastors, benedictions begin to shift, but we do have a commissioning service. We, you know, we will commission missionaries, which we believe in, you know, that go to another culture, and we'll bring them up front and commission them. We also do that with different vocations. So it's not unusual for us to commission a teacher as well as a, a missionary. See, what we celebrate is what we value. And so on a Sunday when we're at the gathered church, we celebrate our collective mission. So through benedictions, pastoral prayers, but yes, we commission different people in different areas of commerce. Whatever the work is, we commission them, just like we commission a missionary. That's cool. Very, very cool. Have you ever thought, you know, there's... 500 years ago, and I don't, you know, I'm not a historian, but I, stu- I just studied it because of the result of the show over the last four years. But the Reformation was all about the fact that, hey, we had a bunch of professional religious people who told everybody else, hey, just let us do the religious work. You guys just do your jobs and, and, and support us. And Martin Luther goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's nothing yeah. that says there's a hierarchy that, that we, it says here, whatever you do, you can do it all yeah. for, the, for, the, for the Lord. Yeah. But we've seen to have gotten back down to that same place again, where we have professional Christians that are on a podium, and there's and it, and it seems at times there's restrictions in the movement of the spirit that's allowed for the spirit to move in a service. Are we kind of going through a re-reformation again with this whole workplace ministry movement, Jim? I think so. I wouldn't use the big R. I mean, that's always dangerous when you when you claim too much. But there is something afoot, and. The Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, did get this right, and that was really, really important. You know, Martin Luther would say that the priest giving the Eucharist, or the the communion, depending on your liturgy, uh, and the milkmaid, which was the lowest person on the economic uh, totem pole, be like someone in O'Hare or Hartsfield Airport, or some airport, cleaning the bathroom, you know, that you're in there on the airport. He said the priest giving the Eucharist, doing communion, Holy Communion, and the milkmaid, think of the bathroom worker in a public airport, are of the same worth to God if what they do is done unto God for His glory. Now you think about how profoundly transformational that was in the 16th century, 
but that has been lost in many cases and needs to be renewed. Um, and, and so that's our hope that people would really gather. People often miss the Reformation, not only recovered the gospel, but it recovered the priesthood of believers and vocation. Well, and I think that that's really what it is. I mean, when I was told that I could be, that really my job as a leader, mm-hmm. when I've owned my own businesses or when I've been a leader in a business, that I was actually, um, the people that I had underneath me, I had a responsibility to be a minister to them, to pastor them. That that was actually my calling that I had. It was a great high calling that I could, because those people might never go to church. But that's kind of freaky when you start to say, listen, we've got a lot of workplace pastors. We've got a lot of workplace ministers. That's a threat to some people. How do we communicate this to the pastors that don't necessarily know about this movement, have them not be threatened by this, this theology? Well, I think the way we deal with that, I mean, hopefully pastors aren't threatened, but I mean, is to look at what the Scripture teaches. If pastors have a commitment to, to the Scriptures, then I think there's an accountability to live in light of the truth of Scripture. So, I mean, I know there's a sense that it could be a bit intimidating, but it's also very freeing when we begin to see that as pastors who are paid, then we're about equipping those ministers in the workplace to do their work every day. It's just a little bit of a different shift. We're talking today with Tom Nelson. He's a pastor of Christ Community Church in Leewood, Kansas. He's an author. He's written a book called Work Matters, Connecting Sunday Worship to Monday Work. He's written a curriculum for your church called Gospel-Shaped Work. And, Tom, the question I think a lot of people are asking in their hearts today is, listen, Jim, I'd like to see your show, Jim, be unnecessary. I would like to be able to get what I'm hearing on your show, Jim. I'd like, I'd like to hear it on Sunday. I'd like to see it incorporated in everything I'm learning because I want to know how to be, uh, to recognize my workplace as my mission field. I want to be effective with bringing the gospel to my workplace. How can these people, Tom, talk to their pastors without putting them on the defensive and, and to encourage them to, to dig in and, and go through the transformation that you went through? Yeah, I think I understand the frustration. I mean, as a pastor, I'm sure many people are frustrated with me because I don't get everything right. Um, but again, I think you've already hit it out of the park, the sense that you would approach it prayerfully and thoughtfully. And I think many pastors, particularly of a larger con- context, many, many people have many different agendas and things of importance that come at them. So I'm saying if you want to learn how to walk in a pastor's shoes, if you're not one as you're listening, uh, just be aware that there's a lot of things that people want pastors to do, and some are tired and weary. <laughs> so approach it humbly, prayerfully. But I would say a couple things I think what's helpful is, one is pastors love to listen to a, a, a short video. Uh, they love getting a link for a message or a short video you think is really helpful for them to maybe look at. So you can just suggest that. Or pastors, most pastors, if they're thoughtful, love books. So this is not a personal plug to me, but I'm just saying a Work Matters book or something like that to give them a book if they haven't read. But I'd also say now with Made to Flourish, there's a website that's really easy, accessible. It kind of introduces them to the broader national conversation. And at least if they're aware of it, that might be a way to start. To kind of get them, or there's a conference you might be able to send them to. Uh, in October of next year, we have our first national conference. So anyway, things like that, just, but obviously it has to be done lovingly and kindly and be sensitive pastors. We're, we're a mess sometimes. <laughs> well, and, and that's the unfortunate part. A lot of people think the pastors are perfect and, you know, that they're, they're, they're spiritual giants. And that's part of this whole recognizing, listen, a pastor's calling and your calling as an engineer, they're the same calling. We all have a high calling to bring the gospel. Right. And, and, and we've got, we've got to unelevate people or elevate other people. But so October, 2017, you're saying you're having a made to flourish conference for pastors. 
Yes, we are, and they can find out more about it in the May the First website. It'll be out there pretty soon, but it's our first national conference. But there's also local expressions. We're in 11 cities already. We're hopefully going to expand. But, I mean, opportunities to get your pastor involved in a, a learning community or to meet some other people. So uh, I'd start small uh, and be patient, pray a lot, and uh, there are more and more opportunities for pastors to get connected to this movement. All right, in 30 seconds, because when you said those things on the approach on the pastor, I thought, but how do I keep my pastor from thinking this is another program? Yeah, well, you're going to have that pushback sometimes. But, I mean, the biggest thing is to say, really, this, this is not a fad. This is something that the Bible really teaches profoundly, and there are implications that I think in our, our context we need to be thinking about. But that, that's where it has to start. It, has to, it can be a church growth thing. It can't be the latest thing. This is deeply embedded in a rich theology from creation from Genesis to Revelation. Tom Nelson, we just ran a marathon. Yep. I'm so grateful for your time. I'm so grateful Fun. for your input. I can't wait to meet you someday. But thank you so much for being on I Work For Him today. Thank you, Jim. It's a delight. All right. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him show today, I hope you were challenged. I, I got shivers. I'm so excited about this conversation because I know that you now have tools to take to your pastor this weekend. You can encourage him to go out to the website. You can encourage him to get a copy of this gospel-shaped work curriculum. You can encourage him to get a copy of Work Matters, all written and put together by pastors for pastors. I, I just I hope it's really helped. You can let me know. Send me an email, jim at iworkforhim.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. Yeah.